Wagner's mutiny in Russia in June has raised questions about the military group's overseas operations. It's been active in Africa and the Middle East for more than five years. So will they remain there and what's likely to happen next? Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading health and security risk services company. I'm Chris Giles. Well, this is the podcast where we provide you with timely analysis and tactical insight for your organisation. And in this episode, we examine the role of Wagner fighters who've been active in the Central African Republic, Libya, Mali, Sudan and Syria. Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov has said that Wagner operations on the African continent will continue, but it's likely that Wagner fighters will be absorbed into the Russian Ministry of Defence. What's less clear is what this will look like in practice and what the impact may be on the countries where Wagner currently maintains a presence. Well, to find out more, I'm joined by Taryn Nidja, Rory Keith and Polina Vinogradova, three of International SOS's lead security analysts covering Africa and the Middle East. We're taking each of the countries in turn then. Let's begin with the Central African Republic. And Taron, can you tell us more about the group's operations in the country? So roughly 2,000 Wagner fighters have been in the country since 2018 on the grounds of helping authorities fight off the various rebel groups. And their presence became particularly notable in late 2020, I'd say early 21, when a coalition of rebel outfits advanced on the capital amid the general election. Now, Wagner, alongside UN and government forces, were pretty crucial in driving the counteroffensive. They actually managed to push back the rebels, who were known as the Coalition of Patriots for Change. But their influence extends beyond the security sphere, so they've managed to get significant mining concessions. Let's not forget that the country has large deposits of iron ore, copper, gold, and diamonds. Beyond this, they also have a certain level of political influence in the country. And then finally, they also have a role in ensuring the personal security of high-ranking members of the government. So what's been the official government response then to developments in Russia? One of President Tuadera's advisers came out recently to say that this was an internal matter for Russia. And as far as they're concerned, it's not going to have any impact. The government's official stance is that they have signed a contract with Russia, not Wagner. So a change in who is overseeing those troops isn't going to change much. And has there been any change on the ground as a result? So initially, no, there was no change. But recently, we saw reports that around 600 Wagner fighters actually left the country and returned to Russia. At the time, this spurred a little bit of uncertainty because it was unclear as to why they had done so and whether or not they would be replaced. But then on the 16th of July, the group actually announced via telegram that several hundred fighters had arrived back in CAR to assist local forces in ensuring security. So, Taran, what's the potential implications then? How do you see this playing out in the coming months? There's no doubt that Russia will want to maintain some sort of foothold in the country. It basically represents the most lucrative of Wagner's operations in Africa, generating almost one billion US dollars in revenue each year. And equally, on the flip side for the government in Bangui, it'll be very important for them that there is continuity security-wise Essentially, regardless of who's controlling Wagner, the CR authorities are still going to look to engage with and utilise them over the coming weeks and months. OK, Taron, thanks for that. Now, turning to Libya, and Polina Vinogradova has been monitoring the developments in that country for us. So, Polina, can you tell us what Wagner's role has been in the country so far? So the first mentioning of Wagner's presence in Libya dates back to 2018, when the group was reportedly deployed to the country to provide support to the Libyan National Army, or LNA. And then between 2019 and 2020, Wagner was involved in LNA's military campaign against Tripoli. When Tripoli offensive failed and a ceasefire was reached, Wagner fighters 
were redeployed to several oil facilities and military bases across the country. An estimated presence of Wagner troops in Libya is difficult to pinpoint, with some sources putting it between 1,500 and 2,000 fighters. And with regards to Wagner's mutiny in Russia, what effect has that had on the group's operations there? Actually, the information on how exactly all these developments around Wagner in Russia has affected group's presence in Libya are very limited. So what we do know is that shortly after the developments in Russia, on 30th of June, Wagner's military base near Benghazi in the east of Libya was hit by a drone strike, though no one was reportedly killed or injured in the attack. And what is interesting, no group claimed responsibility and the government in Tripoli also denied its involvement. So there is little context to explain this attack. But otherwise, the information on the developments linked to Wagner in operations on the ground in Libya have been very limited since. But if we take a step back, given the fact that a relatively short period has passed since Wagner's mutiny in Russia, Russian government is likely still in the process of developing its new approach or rules of engagement with Wagner in Libya and elsewhere across the continent. In Libya, we know that the Russian government appears to be a key source of funding for Wagner operations, which could become a leverage in negotiations with the group. Still, Russia is not militarily present in Libya, which could pose a challenge around managing the group or carving its activities if needed for the Russian government. So what would be the potential implications then of a a row between Russia and Wagner in Libya, do you think? Such a row between Wagner and Russia could undermine Russia's strategic interests, both in Libya and Mobrole across the region. By deploying Wagner to Libya, Russia was able to establish a foothold in the country, build a network of military bases and also establish present and to a certain extent exert influence over country's energy infrastructure and energy fields. And beyond that, Wagner's presence and military air bases in Libya have also become a part of broader logistical networks supporting groups' operations in Sahel and Sub-Saharan Africa, so including in Chad, Central African Republic, Mali, and Sudan. So just given the strategic importance of these networks, if Russia were to lose control over them or if they were disrupted, this could undermine Russia's influence in the country and beyond, which suggests that Russia is invested and will make an effort to maintain its indirect presence in Libya. And what's the potential impact of these developments on stability in Libya? So presence of foreign mercenaries has been an issue in Libya for a long time. On the one hand, their presence obstructs the peace efforts. On the other, they play a role in maintaining a status quo and a degree of stability associated with it. It is difficult to assess to what extent Wagner's current presence in Libya supports LNAs in maintaining control over eastern and southern parts of the country. Still, if Wagner were to disintegrate or there is a significant drawdown of Wagner troops from Libya, this could weaken LNA militarily and create power vacuums across Libya that could be exploited by other actors, contributing to overall volatility and instability across the country. Okay, thanks for now, Polina. Now, Rory Keith has been taking a look at Wagner's activities in Mali for us. Rory, what more can you tell me? Wagner's been involved in Mali since 2021. That followed the coup which brought the military directly to power in the country. 
the military get Wagner involved in the country was part of a general program that saw France as the main security partner ditched in favour of Wagner and Russia, who were capable of engaging with militant groups on terms that France would never have found agreeable. Since their involvement in the country, Wagner have mostly been engaged in central areas, Mopti region, Gao region, where they've been accused of war crimes. Their modus operandi has been to take the fight to areas which are suspected of involvement with groups such as JNIM, the Islamic State group, and attempts to sort of root out these groups from those areas. And that differs quite a lot from the modus operandi of firstly MINUSMA, the United Nations mission in Mali, whose mandate was purely defensive, and that of the French intervention in the country under Operation Serval, whose role didn't generally involve targeting villages. This targeting of villages and taking the fight to these groups has seen Wagner and the Malian forces operating with them be accused of war crimes during their operations. Besides the military element, does Wagner play any other significant roles in Mali? The group also engages in mining activities, but unlike somewhere such as the Central African Republic, they've struggled to generate revenues of that magnitude and have instead allegedly been receiving Malian government funding directly to the tune of millions of dollars to pay them for their work as a mercenary outfit in the country. Officially, of course, the group is still just military advisors and not mercenaries. And ultimately, the dissolution of the group will not affect the security environment in the country. It's already been mentioned by Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, that the control of the group's operations in Mali will transfer directly into the Russian Ministry of Defence. And this is something that is likely to pass off without incident. What remains to be seen is whether there will be any role to be played by the leader of Wagner in Mali, Ivan Maslov, whether something on a personal political level could lead to an incident. But ultimately, the security impact is unlikely to be felt very much in the country in the near term. The group's operations are likely to continue and they're going to take place in rural areas in the central parts of the country and which are affected by militancy and unlikely to have much of a direct impact on the operations of businesses or humanitarian organisations operating in the country. Thank you, Rory. Now, returning to Polina, and can we focus on Sudan now? And Wagner's reportedly had a presence in the country for some years now. So, Polina, can you tell me a bit more about their operations there? And has that had any influence on the current conflict? In terms of background, Wagner began his deployment in Sudan in 2017. Back then, the former president Omar al-Bashir was facing mounting domestic challenges and international pressure, so he reached out to Russia for support. The two sides signed a series of deals which included an agreement for Russia to set up a naval base at Port Sudan on the Red Sea, as well as some concession agreements on gold mining. And in the following years, reports emerged of Wagner assisting with training of Bashir's forces, allegedly taking part in a crackdown on anti-Bashir demonstrations, and then participating in smuggling of gold out of the country. And parallel to that, over the years of its presence in the country, Wagner has also built a relationship with General Mohammed Hamdan Begalo, commonly known as Hameti, and his paramilitary group Rapid Support Forces, or RSF. This relationship has persisted even after Bashir was ousted from power in 2019. So when the conflict started between the RSF and the army in April, U.S. accused Wagner of supplying RSF with weapons. 
It appears that the group that Wagner leveraged its networks in neighboring Central African Republic and Libya to provide this assistance to RSF. And in Libya specifically, this was done in a cooperation with LNA's military commander, Khalifa Haftar. But Wagner itself denies its presence in Sudan or its involvement in the conflict. And similarly, RSF also denies any cooperation with the group. And with regards to Wagner's mutiny in Russia, what effect could that have on the group's presence in Sudan? And could it have any impact on what's happening on the ground? In terms of potential impact on developments in Sudan, I think there are two aspects to highlight. The first one around the accusations of Wagner supplying weapons to RSF or providing other supplies to the group. It still remains to be seen how exactly Wagner's mutiny and subsequent restructuring of the group will affect or in a way disrupt Wagner's networks that enable that provision of assistance to RSF in Sudan. So, for instance, we're talking about Wagner's presence in Libya, Wagner's presence in Central African Republic. It's all connected into a broader network. What we do know that disruption to covert external assistance could affect RSF capabilities on the ground in the longer run. So that's the first aspect. The second aspect concerns what impact Wagner's presence has on the ground right now. So since the start of the conflict, reports shedding light on Wagner's operations in Sudan beyond the supplies of weapons to the RSF have been very limited. It suggests that even if the group is present in Sudan right now, and it has been conducting operations during the conflict, these have remained limited in scope and impact. So potentially, even if Wagner's operations in Sudan are affected in the aftermath of the mutiny, this is unlikely to have an immediate impact on the trajectory of the conflict or balance of power between the army and the RSF, simply because Wagner troops do not appear to play a central role in conflict dynamics. What is more likely is that the current situation, including developments around Wagner and the breakout of the conflict itself, will affect Russia's ability to achieve its objectives in Sudan. This includes securing the naval base on the Red Sea, maintaining access to gold mines, and more broadly, keeping Sudan as part of that broader network of countries across the African continent where Russia was able to project its influence through Wagner. Finally, Polina, let's discuss Wagner's role beyond Africa. I understand that it's been in Syria for some time now, hasn't it? So. Wagner has been active in Syria since 2015, when um, Russia intervened to back uh, President Bashar al-Assad in the ongoing civil war. Since then, Wagner has been involved in combat missions and providing security for the oil installations in Syria. The exact number of Wagner fighters present in Syria right now is unknown. It has decreased over the years simply because the conflict across the country has subsided, but some sources put groups presence between 250 and 450 fighters, which is a relatively small portion of the Russian military presence in the country. During the mutiny, as it was unfolding in Russia, in Syria, Russia in cooperation with Syrian authorities moved to isolate and control Wagner troops on the ground. It has been reported that some Wagner commanders were reportedly arrested and Wagner offices in Damascus and several other cities were raided. And then after these developments in early July, reports emerged that Russia replaced the Wagner commanders 
with Russian Ministry of Defense officers in Syria. And against the background of these developments, the fate of Wagner assets in Syria, including oil fields secured by the group throughout the conflict, it remains unknown. So what's Wagner's impact been in Syria, would you say? Thus far, the impact of Wagner's mutiny and associated restructuring on the situation in Syria appears to be limited. Given Russia's military presence on the ground in Syria, they are in a better position to control Wagner in coordination with Syrian authorities in comparison to, for instance, Sudan or Libya. Russian military also maintains control over Maimim Air Base in the western part of Syria, which is a critical transit hub for Wagner that the group used to support its operations in Libya, Mali, Sudan, and Central African Republic. Overall, just taking a step back, the security environment in Syria remains highly complex with presence of multitude of domestic and foreign actors. So it remains to be seen how exactly the developments linked to Wagner will affect the situation on the ground in the long term. However, it is more likely that any major shifts in the dynamics on the ground will be prompted by changing alliances, tensions, or rivalry between major actors such as Russia, Turkey, Syrian government, US, and Iran. Thanks, Polina. So as she, Taryn, and Rory have discussed here, there's plenty to be thinking about regarding Wagner's continuing role in Africa and the Middle East. But let's see if we can offer you some advice going forward. Rory, what would be your conclusions? So as Wagner is more closely integrated into the structures of the Russian Ministry of Defence, we don't know exactly how that integration will take shape or the details of what that reconfigured relationship will look like. However, on the surface of things, this development is unlikely to have any direct impact on security in the countries in which Wagner operates in the short term. In terms of advice for a manager monitoring the situation, we'd certainly recommend to keep on top of what is going on and plan for a deterioration. This is simply for the reason that Wagner operates in highly volatile countries where the security environment can deteriorate rapidly. Operations under the Russian Ministry of Defence will not be guided purely by economic interests. They may need to prioritise and draw down troops in certain locations. Wagner hitherto has operated as a separate commercial entity prior to these developments. So as they make financial changes to the organisation, it may become the case that troop numbers decline and that may in turn, particularly in countries like Central African Republic, have a knock-on impact in security where lower troop numbers are incapable of holding back rebel advances, for instance, and instead have to focus on economically important locations such as mine sites. In that case, that is a situation in which a manager should be preparing their evacuation plans, be looking towards readiness for a possible resumption of something like the situation in 2020 when Wagner troops were key in protecting the government in Bongi. The impact on the security environment will ultimately, however, depend on the degree to which governments currently rely on Wagner. In a country like the Central African Republic, where the relationship is very close and Wagner troop numbers are high, that means that there will be a higher impact on any changes that are seen with the change in relationship. In a country such as Mali, where the Wagner role in the country is less central and further out from the capital, that impact will be lower. Okay, Rory, thanks so much for all your insights and analysis. And my thanks too to Polina Vinogradova and Taryn Nidja too. 
Well, that's all for now. But just a reminder, you'll be able to access all the latest information and updates on all the countries we've been talking about on our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centres available to clients 24-7. But until next time, thank you very much for listening and goodbye.